everybody. Welcome back to the Off the Key podcast. I'm your host, Mac, and today I'm joined by my two regular co-hosts, Gareth. What it be, what it do. And James. What's up? And today we'll be talking about the dub and dream pop band, Fishman's, formed in Minato, Tokyo in 1987 by Shinji Sato, Kenichi Motegi, and Yuzuru Kashiwabara. So Fishman's as a band... They're one of my personal favorites, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about them today, because I do feel that they are underexposed overall as a group. Uh, they have a very large internet cult following, and that's how I discovered them, was through you know different discussion boards. Um, I know they're very popular, and I believe the Move board, as well as a couple of other uh, online music circles, but they're mainly known for their really unique blend of dub, rocksteady, dream pop, and psychedelica as well as the unique vocals of the late lead singer Shinji Sato. So the band was relatively underground and barely known outside of Japan during their 12-year career, but later gained a large internet cult following thanks to their popularity on various internet discussion boards, like I said earlier. There were two other members of the band, Hakase Sun and founding member Kensuke Ojima, but they both left the band after 1995. This album in particular is the final appearance of Hakase soon on any Fishman's project. So you may be asking yourself, what is dub? What is Rocksteady? What are these genres we're talking about here? So I'm going to explain a little bit. I was actually just about to ask that because they are, you hear them a lot. And I feel like they've almost turned into buzzwords, but they are less explained genres. Dub in particular is a reggae electronic subgenre that emerged in the late 1960s. And it's characterized by remixing, you know, instrumental recordings and removing the vocals and emphasizing the rhythm section by applying like different studio effects or reverb or echo along with some dubbing of vocal or instrumental snippets from the original. So like what they'll do is they'll take, you know, a piece of a track and then dub it over on another part of a track, if that makes sense. What is the most pure dub band that you know of or maybe the most popular one the most yeah, the well-known essential because i feel like it's a genre that is always in the mix with other genres but it's not really one that kind of stands alone so dub is a genre that has a lot of crossover a lot of blending but some notable acts include the likes of king tubby scientist Augustus Pablo, Joe Gibbs, a lot of different genres will take elements of dub and mix it in with their stuff. Reggae is one of those genres that a lot of people take from. It's mostly popular in places like Jamaica. Now, that brings us into Rocksteady. So Rocksteady is actually a precursor to reggae that originated in Jamaica around 1966. It was actually only dominant in Jamaica for about two years, but it was performed by a lot of artists who would later become established reggae acts. People like the Techniques, the Paragons, the Heptones, and the Gay Lads. Uh, Rocksteady is characterized by an offbeat rhythm pattern with a slower tempo that allows for more experimentation with bass lines than, you know, something like ska. So, Believe it or not, I'm actually kind of a fan of the Gay Lads. I, I have heard a song or two by them, and I actually do enjoy them. I know I've kind of made some negative points about reggae. It's not the fact that I don't like the genre. It's the fact that I need it to be top tier. 
I don't like mediocre reggae songs. I want my song, the songs to be big bussing. You know what I'm saying? The problem with a lot of reggae music, at least what I've noticed, is a lot of it is very similar in, you know, groove and rhythm and tone. Rocksteady in particular uh, has a greater emphasis on the lead guitar doubling the bass line in like a muted picking style. Yeah, that just like, dink, dink, dink. Yeah. And it's just, it's very, you guys are both doing the same thing. You you guys are keeping it simple. I know you're trying to emphasize the rhythm, but come on, you got to give me some fluff. Yeah, feel that space. The space is everything, though. That's the whole point, really. It's all rhythm. It's about the feeling and the rhythm. You got to just dance to it and vibe to it, man. Plus, you got to think that, you know, Jamaica is famous for the green. Yes, sir. So. For sure. And a lot of those elements carry over into Fishman's music. They were obviously very inspired by reggae and dub and other reggae subgenres, especially rock steady. And you can hear that in the bass player the most, the, ba- the bass player and the guitar player. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're all kind of doing different genres for a lot of the songs. Like, you know, the rhythm section is doing a lot of dub and reggae and like the keyboard player is doing like this 60s like psychedelic and the guitar player is doing a almost even surf rock like oh yeah R&B R&B and funk guitar and the singer is doing like this he reminds me of someone I just I can't He has such a bizarre range and yeah. such a unique voice he's very distinctive like that's usually the thing I feel I noticed first whenever I started listening to Fishman's was Shinji Sato as a vocalist He has a very high range now, that being said, the reason we're talking about Orange, their fourth studio album today, is because I feel that this is a underappreciated album and also a good blend of their early sound mixed with the dream pop and psychedelic-oriented stuff that they would do later. An underappreciated album from an underappreciated band. Yes. Oh, yeah. Even in, like, the Fishman's discourse and fandom, I don't really hear a lot of people mention this album other than, like, oh, you know, it was pretty good, but... I feel they blend all these different sounds and styles so well that it's hard not to love. It's something that I feel Japanese Japanese musicians do two things really well, especially in the modern era. One is blending styles together seamlessly, and the second is making riffs and licks and hooks that, especially when it comes to instrumentals, especially on the guitar, but on bass too, that are wild, quirky, and just out there and just make you think like, wow, that's real. That's a really unique riff. That's really solid. Yeah. Like, that's wild. Like, Very what distinctive. Scale are you using? Like what where did that come from? I think that's what they do the best. However, I do like their dream pop stuff more. And their their material that gets more into just straight up reggae and doesn't have that strong blending of genres, I feel is their weakest stuff by a very healthy margin when they're transitioned to more of that dream pop, those more like lush synths, the, that is a direction that I like more than they're just like, when they progress more into reggae. I'd have to agree. So their early material is kind of a mixed bag pre orange, you know, Chappie don't cry, which is, I'm sure the album you're referring to Kingmaster George and Neo Yankees. They all pull from different reggae subsections. Kingmaster George, I would almost call that a ska punk album. 
it's a very different stylistic shift for Fishman's. And I think it works for most the most part. There are some points in that album where I just, man, I, I just have to turn it off. And, you know, Chappie Don't Cry is basically a reggae album. And in my personal opinion, at least on Chappie Don't Cry, like, if I want to listen to just straight up reggae, I'm going to go listen to, like, real reggae artists, you know, like Bob Marley. and Yeah, and I feel like Orange was pretty concise, pretty on track for the most part. I will say that there are there is a song on this track list that I think gets too reggae and I don't care for it and it's the only song I dislike on the record but for the most part they toe that line really well and I make it a big point to talk about bands staying in their lane of what they're good at it now innovating in that lane getting better progressing but staying in their lane like if you're like if they try something to ease into it to test it out, to not just go blindly. Like a lot of a lot of artists make albums that just flop and that are just not good because they go too far. Kid Cuddy. Yeah. Kid Cuddy. I mean, even like U2 when they're trying like their techno pop stuff, they just went way too far. And Fishman's is like, all right, let's just ease it ever so slowly and change our sound and mix it. And they just do a really good job. Yeah. And you even get hits of that on their previous album, uh, New Yankees Holiday. You start to hear that dream pop oriented sound a little bit on tracks like, you know, Ecreta Baby or Smiling Days, Summer Holidays. So they've been slowly progressing to their late 1990s sound. And this is the true turning point, in my opinion. This is like that right smack dab in the middle, balancing the line between their early rock steady and dub stuff and their dream pop and psychedelic work. That's why I really wanted to talk about this album, and I also think it's a solid entry point for that reason, because if you do like the more dub, rock steady, leaning side of the project, you might want to go back and check some of their earlier material, but if you prefer the more dream pop, you know, psychedelic side, you can go and check out their later material. So I think this is a solid starting point. So what exactly defines dream pop as opposed to pop or any other kind of? Very, it's a lot of really heavy, like synth oriented sounds. It focuses more on atmosphere and mood with a lot of dreamy vocals, very lengthy track lists. Like a lot of times dream pop tracks can be anywhere from like five to 10 minutes. Yeah, it's kind of, whereas like just straight up synth pop is usually like very, very danceable, very hook oriented, very kind of riff oriented, like Pet Shop Boys be a good example of like regular synth pop. Or even like Tears for Fears. Yeah, Dream Pop is like lengthen them out, give them texture, make them a little bit more instead of just being really like staccato, really like riff driven. They're more of just like they blend in more more about they're more textured they're more layered and yeah slower tempo overall yeah well said and you know if you're looking if you're looking for some good examples of dream pop uh, you know cockatoo twins um fishman's even fishman's later material beach house is a great modern example actually yeah. uh, mm-hmm. once twice melody it was an excellent album that came out this year even my bloody valentine although they're considered more like shoegaze than dream pop but that's a conversation for another time the point is i think this is a solid starting point and this is why i wanted to start you guys here if you were to ask me cold out of the blue hey mac where would i start with fishman's i would say either this album or kuchu camp their next album you wouldn't say long season definitely not 
that's one of the albums you should listen to last if you do a, a Fisherman's Deep Dive. Really? Even before like they're they're more like reggae dub stuff? Yes, because I don't want to spoil too much because I do want to do a full episode on that album, but it is a colossal 35-minute one-song psychedelic epic. Wait, is it literally one song? Yes. I did not know that. It is a... Oh, boy. Thick <laughs> as a brick, Jethro Tull-type beat. <laughs> the songs are always very intimidating to listen to. Yeah. It's something you got to prepare yourself for. That's all I got to say. Anyway... Orange was actually released on October 21st, 1994, and was actually recorded at Metropolis Studios in London, England. Now, the personnel on this particular album are as follows. Shinji Sato on vocals and acoustic guitar. Yuzuru Kashiwabara on bass and chorus. Kenichi Motegi on drums, percussion, and chorus. And Hakase Sun on keyboards and chorus. Now, there were some other musicians involved. Um, that would be Sugar Yoshinaga, who played the electric guitar and helped with some of the backing vocals, as well as their longtime recording engineer, Zach, or Z-A-K. So he did the recording, the mixing, and the production, and also guided some of their creative direction. Basically the producer. Yeah, he was their producer, yeah. but he was kind of like Nigel Godrich for Radiohead, where he was just... He's that unofficial extra he, member? He's basically an unofficial member of the band. Oh, gotcha. Because he actually did have creative input and direction and kind of shaped some of their later sound. With that being said, we'll go ahead and get into the project. We'll do intro and Kibun together, because they're kind of the same track. One is setting up the other, basically. So, you know, intro, we get this nice little drum groove to start on, and a uh, couple of synth chords... To hit in, and then we get right into Kibun. So yeah, it's and it's kind of a subdued sound to it. Parts of the intro, the intro to melody, kind of sound. Don't take this the wrong way. It almost sounds like elevator music. The little like jingle. I actually failed to get into this, but there's a reason for that. So Fishman's is a part of this small sub movement in Tokyo during or Shibuya, Tokyo during the 1990s called Shibuya K. And Shibuya K was actually inspired by a lot of commercial and radio jingles and elevator music, as well as some of the older, you know, jazz and soul and funk of the West. Sometimes things just click, they just, that connection is just there and you just find things. But I think it's a, it's a really good intro and Kibun is actually my favorite song on the record. Yeah, it's, it's a good Definitely. It's not my favorite, but it's a good one. It's up there. Okay. Yeah, there. I, I love the groove. And oh, like yes. The yes. really, like, mm -hmm. funky. It's funky while still having that, like, rock steady formula with yeah. a lot of, like, the piano embellishments and the really, like, strong focus on the bass lines. The guitar, dude. Man, the oh, guitar great. in this song. Yes, straight up, like, R&B kind of flavoring. Yeah. Killer. Straight up funk. Like, and he's just playing some awesome licks. I love and it. During the chorus... Well, there's the you know, ba, 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 that little that kind of, perfect that little uh, vocalization. Oh yeah, which yep. is great. It's so catchy, stupidly catchy. Even Fishman's is great at doing this, and you'll hear this a lot in their music. They do this a lot. They'll use vocalization as a way for the listener, even if they don't know Japanese, to have something to cling on to. You gotta have that hook, man. Yeah, you gotta have a great hook, and vocalization really ties that together. You know, some people will say like. Oh, like all like the babies and ooh, ooh and all that, you know. It's like, oh, that's kind of stupid. I'm like, yeah, but you, it's a universal language. It's like math. Everyone can make onomatopoeia. You know, everyone can make sounds. 
It's and it's one of the most memorable courses on oh, the yeah, entire album. Yeah, I've had yes. it stuck in my head all week. You don't even know the little during that chorus. There is a keyboard part, that little kind of like high droning like kind of part. Yeah. That I have heard that exact same keyboard tone in a Nine Inch Nails song. It is e that Trent Reznor has used. It is either in it is a song off of the Fragile. I thought that was an interesting little connection there. Like we, like I said before, they pull from a lot of different places and a lot of different sounds and influences. So it makes sense that some crossover would be there. I will say that the drums, they sound really compressed. Yeah. When you pointed that out to me and I went back and listened to it, I honestly have to agree. You know, I think there's actually a couple of tracks where it's not as, as compressed, but on this one, Mm -hmm. definitely. I know. And I think the drum groove is fine. Um, Yeah. The performance is great. It's just, it's supplemental. You know, a lot of Fishman's music, the drumming is kind of supplemental. The drumming is just kind of the the backbeat. It's not necessarily it's, the, do you the feel main event. Do you feel that's because the like in like reggae and dub and that genre in general? You, th- you feel like that's more the case because they're using the other instruments to like do rhythm. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. why. Yeah, it's mainly the bass that drives yeah. it. Yeah, bass is more of the main event as far as the rhythm section goes in a lot of reggae stemmed music, and that's no exception here. This is probably the I'd say one of the closer like rock steady leaning albums as far as the rhythm section goes it blends well with the funky parts that the guitar is laying down so while the lyrics are important they do take a little bit of a backseat here and and i do apologize because of our own lack of understanding of japanese but um the literal translation of the title is actually atmosphere and it does give a very great atmosphere It is a perfect opener Yes, fantastic opener. And it blends so seamlessly into the next track, uh, Wasura Chao Hitotoki. I believe this translates to like a moment to forget or a time to forget. Yeah, a moment to forget. Now, I wasn't really a huge fan of it at first, but on the third listen, it turned into great. I mean, it just completely just flipped. Like I kind of got it, I guess, musically. Mm -hmm. And so after like the second or third listen, I was like right up there. And it's now like firmly top three. It's great. Yeah, it's my it's actually my favorite track on the album. Oh, yeah, I can Mm -hmm. see that. Definitely. Yeah, I can't get enough of the thick ass bubbly bass lines. Extra thick. Mm. Infectious guitar riff. And and the keyboard is kind of defaults to like a 60s, 70s, like kind of organ keyboard style Mm -hmm. instead of his more modern stylings. And it puts a different spin Interestingly, this song is only two chords in this whole song. Yeah. And yeah. It, it goes to show you like how much you can do with just two chords. That's all you really need. Their use of great melody writing, great hook writing, the rhythm section going off the whole time, you know, and all the different sounds they're using. Sometimes less is more. All you need is just a little simple bit. And you can make an amazing song. The Rolling Stones, they're probably one of the most famous bands for doing that because they, they use two chord songs yeah, all the time. Very minimal, very minimal. Great track all around. But uh, My Life. Kind of cheesy. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's totally corny, but I, I actually kind of love it. Yeah, it's, it's cheesy but fun. And it's really reflected in the, the squelchy like synth lines. Uh, honestly, it's one of the goofiest vocal performances. Yeah, the melody, melody is... That's the really the cheesy part of the whole song. Yeah, the piano melody. <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel like this was my favorite performance of his. 
it's on the lower end of the songs on this album, but I wouldn't call it a bad song. And it was, definitely wasn't forgettable. I mean, if anything, it's cheesy, like bubbliness kind of makes it a little mm. too remember, memorable, <laughs> it, maybe yeah. in the way you don't want it to be. <laughs> I don't know, man. I couldn't help but have just like a dumb smile on the whole time while I was listening to this. Yeah, it's your, I envision you just walking down the street doing that like goofy walk Shitty with your room. your arms going all the way up to your chest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, you're so right though. It definitely, yeah, it definitely hams it up a little bit. But I, I appreciate it for that. I, you know, like Fishermans, they they do, you know, a lot of really like atmospheric and strong and powerful and meaningful stuff. But, you know, they're also just so goofy. If you ever watch Shinji Sato perform on stage live, that is one of the goofiest dudes I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he will just like wiggle around the stage and make these weird faces while he's performing. And it's I just can't help but love it. So I get, they nailed what they were trying to do. I mean, maybe too much so you know maybe sometimes it doesn't really vibe with some people and sometimes yeah. it does but it's just one of those things where i think they set out to do what they were trying to do yeah if you felt it was too corny i could totally understand yeah i totally sure. get it i personally love it i think it's great but yeah if, if you didn't like this one night i got you. I, I understand i also like the use of percussion in this one like the claves man they add a nice little bit of spice to it yeah i love it yeah the groove is great i mean this album is groovy all around so fun time fun time you know we're burning through this pretty quickly but we're at the halfway point music come on rockers melody it's melody right now this is actually i believe the longest track on the album no it's the second longest yeah ironically this is the first song to me that did not have a catchy melody or hook. Yeah, this is on the toward the. This bo- is well, I, well, I wouldn't go that far, but this song is toward the the bottom. I found this was, mm, I was kind of iffy about this song. Mm. This this song should have been titled "Groove" because it is entirely defined by that rhythm. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say mm-hmm. the guitar riff is very saucy, very ironic. Yeah, but not not much of a melody. That drum beat, I love it. The bass line, great. Song about making music. This is also the first song to me that kind of plateaued dynamically. Yeah, I was listening back to it and I have to agree, you know, it, it gets to that spot and it stays there for yeah. most of the song. Yeah, there's there's some lows it goes to, but then it comes back to that spot and it never goes higher. There's no real crescendo. So the song doesn't really have much tension to me. It's just more of a vibe, a groove. Yeah, and well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it could do with some more dynamics. I still enjoy the track overall, though. I would say it's probably middle of the pack for me personally. Melody, it's relatively stays the same. You know, it's kind of a decent mid tempo song. But Kairi Michi, I think this is the weakest track on the album, and it's partially because of the complete lack of dynamic on it. That was my main criticism of this song it's the first reggae song like on yeah the, it's the first proper reggae song the second yeah. half of this record is a lot of more dreamy slow leaning dub rock steady whereas the first half is more of the upbeat uptempo like funk rock stuff rhythmically it's great the bass line is awesome because of course it's reggae so it kind of has to have a great bass line the drum groove really simple but it does what it needs to nothing more it's fine Besides that, it doesn't really go anywhere. It just kind of stays the same. But from all the reggae that I've heard, at least, it's pretty typical of the genre. 
because because yeah. like I was saying before, reggae is really more about the vibe, the groove. It's and you maybe like groove around a little bit. And you stay in that pocket and you just don't ever leave. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest shortcomings of a lot of reggae leaning genres. A lot of songs don't develop. But thankfully this is the only in my opinion the only real like low low point on the album. Um you know the next track Kansha Odoroki. I I love this track. It is probably my favorite on the album besides now the last song I was kind of in the middle about, but yeah, this song is like is top three. The last song I'd say was like bottom three. Yeah, this song is is right up there. I mean, it's got groove, it it blends again, and his vocal performance is very nice. It's so dreamy and, yeah. and ethereal, and I uh, I can't get enough of it, especially the drum groove. It kind of yeah. almost gets not jazz singer, but it almost kind of gets kind of soul like at times. Just a little bit, like mm-hmm. every once in a while. The sound in the beginning, the drum sound, it's kind of like the intro. It has that kind of subdued sound. And halfway through the track, it picks up into like a full drum sound. Yeah. And that really is a big dynamic shift in the song, and I really enjoy that. I just wish it had happened a little a little earlier. That's fair, because it happens, what, at like the three-minute mark? Yeah, it's yeah. R- like almost right in the middle of the song. It should have been like a minute earlier. Sure, I got you. But overall, I still, man, you know, I know you were complaining about the compressed drums earlier. This is one of the tracks where I felt that that wasn't as much of a problem. With the sound shift in the middle, not only do I wish it should have happened earlier, but I would have liked to hear another shift upwards later in the song as this song progressed. But besides that, the dynamics things. It's a great song. Yeah. I just kind of want that groove to like last forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the groove should definitely last forever. Just add a little more volume, add a little more spice to it. Yeah. Great track. Great track. Now, Woofer Girl. Woofer Girl. Without question, this is the most dub influenced track here. Also, my least favorite for that particular reason. I actually enjoyed it. I'm not a big fan of reggae, but I actually kind of liked the offbeat drum groove and the heavy vocal effects on Sato's voice and uh, the, the chorus is very infectious you know besides uh, Kibun I think this actually had one of the most memorable choruses on the entire album I also enjoyed it very much it has a what I would say a traditional like old school reggae drum groove the beat is emphasized on two and four instead of the traditional like one two three four as you would hear in rock and other things the bass drum and the snare hit at the same time that creates a really cool almost dissonance between what the rest of the instruments are doing and the drums are because they're there to have that just booming emphasis on two and four yeah and on top of that um you get the rock steady influence from the coupling of the guitar and bass parts you know you you get that right away in the song and, uh, you know, I know it's got those goofy fighting sound effects that come <gasps> in. <and> run. <laughs> yeah. Like it's Street like Fighter or some something. Cheesy, like, kung fu movie or something like that. But I think it fits the goofy vibe of the track pretty well. Yes. I enjoyed it. I don't know. I think, I think this is the only skip on the, on the album. What did you not like about it? I don't like... The drum beat didn't really... And, like, the groove didn't really catch me. I thought it was boring. I mean, it takes kind of, like, their other reggae-ish styles where like the dynamics don't change but it kind of cranks up to a 10 i mean i, I thought the, the sound effects were goofy 
I didn't really like the vocal performance and how they were styled. It feels like poorly done reggae to me. Mm. And really, this, yeah, mm. it's my least favorite track. And if you just, don't, if you didn't like the drum groove, then you liking a lot of reggae is unlikely because that is an yeah. extremely common reggae drum groove. I was gonna say. Well, I'll, I'll like, say that it's not as it was okay, but I need more than that to carry i think that where reggae really gives its strength is that you need a strong hook and you need a, a good vocal performance to be kind of like your lead instrument and he didn't really give it to me this track his vocals and then the sound I effects was let it down and so without that the instrumentals do not carry they're not interesting enough yeah to carry the song i will say that there really isn't that much of a melody to speak of in this song no, I'd, I'd agree. It's more about the rhythm, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know me, if an album, unless an album says from the get-go that it is just going to be nothing but space and rhythm, like it's like like an ambient album or something, I need I need a melody, I need a riff, or I need a hook. And to suddenly just have that through the, all the tracks and then just like, I ain't got none of that, sorry. Sorry, it's just, it's, you lost me. It's a vibe, bro. Well, I mean, it, it has a hook, though. Like, it has a hook that you can stick to. Yeah, so, mm, I don't think is, it's all that Did you just though. not like the hook? And, and they have some, like, there were some synth earworms in this song that I really enjoyed. I as more, as more, as, it, was, it was more that it was just, I did not like the vocals. Maybe if someone was delivering it, else was delivering it, or he delivered it a different way, maybe it would work then. You know, it probably would, but just mm. the way he went about it was not. Mm. Agree to disagree. I... <laughs> Disagree. It's time for my turn to wear the cap. <laughs> That's capping. <laughs> That's cap. Regardless, the next and final track of the album, You're No Amoy. And I'm sorry if I butchered that. I feel like it's a decent ending. <laughs> yeah, it's a solid yeah. closer. Yeah. yeah. You know, I like the main synth line. Yep. You know, that little doo 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 doo. Yeah. And the, that guitar <laughs> hook really complements it well. Oh, you're talking about the acoustic guitar? Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's pretty dissonant, but it complements the rhythm yeah. of the synth it's line. It's like a nice perfect position. Yeah, exactly. It just fits right in there to the little space. And you'll hear them do that a lot on their later material, especially Uchunapan Setagaya. They use a lot of that acoustic, like acoustic guitar kind of clashing with the main rhythm. Yeah, that's a very interesting direction. I kind of want to look for that because I feel like this song was a great idea and it goes pretty good. It's like a download that gets 80%. You're very close, but you, it, I would love to see it tweaked and played around with a little bit more, but a great start. Yeah, and you can say that really about a lot of this album. You know, like they'll have these really good foundational ideas that just need a little bit more development. And that's only for the case for a couple of tracks, but. You know, I think this song is fine. I think it's good. I think it's a decent closer, and I do enjoy the finish of the song a lot. This uh, snare drum overdub that they've done, and it really pushes the song higher and far forward. And I see what you were saying about the drums being a uh, compliment that very much shines through in this song. The bass definitely drives the groove here, whereas the drums are just a simple 4-4 beat. But yeah, I mean, it makes for a solid closer. I think, you know, overall, this is a solid album. What do you guys think? This was not a surprise because I have heard Japanese Dream Pop before and I do enjoy the genre. I was a little bit wary of the reggae influences and all these genres that they were seemingly attempting 
to try to juggle at once. And I was kind of incredulous, you know, hearing all of that. But going into it, I think they've done that very well. I can see this as a turning point and as a stylistic change. I think they do not, they dip their toe in the water enough. They experiment very well and they sound great besides some compressed drum issues and besides some needless sound effects and some tonal dissonance that just throws some like a song or two off a little bit um this album is very concise this album is sounds very great the textures are definitely there um i'll have to give this a solid four um times two. <laughs> oh, what <laughs> times two i'm gonna give it an eight i was gonna say got him Gotta keep, gotta keep him off guard. Yes. He count me. I was going to say, I was like, uh. Never let him know your next move. <laughs> just talk it up, talk up a big game and just take a dookie on it. So, Orange by Fishman's. This, this album was my first introduction to this band. And of course, Mac has been talking about this band almost nonstop since I've known him. And I was excited to listen to it. And overall, I thought it was a solid project, and I see why he's so enthusiastic about Fishman's. They use a variety of interesting sounds and hooks to keep the audience engaged, and a lot of unorthodox ideas to add dynamics to their songs. When I say unorthodox, I mean not something that I'm used to hearing. A lot of bands will use just their instruments to bring forward dynamics, but these guys will add in all kinds of different electronic sounds and use a different instrument than you might have thought to add flavor to the songs. And I very much respect that. Although I do believe that the drums could have played a larger role on this album. And I think had it been done so, it could have propelled this album and a lot of the songs to new heights. Great performances all around though. Groove just oozes from this album. It's just... It's everywhere. There are so many songs that I can just dance to all day long. It can sometimes be a bit cheesy and leave some things to be desired dynamically. But overall, the space in the songs are refreshing. The performances are great. And it makes me feel wonderful to listen to this album all the time. I would give this an 8 out of 10. And I could play this on vacation in the Caribbean. No problem. But yeah, so, you know, my thoughts, I thought, I think Orange, solid, groovy, fun album from start to finish. I felt it was well-paced, and there's really not too many dull moments. I mean, there was like Hayori Michi, and, you know, we did kind of argue about Woofer Girl, but I like that song. The, the closer left some to be desired, but overall, I mean, I do feel that there are still fantastic highlights here, and the tracks that do fail to develop and have those dynamic problems still have wonderful a wonderful groove to keep it interesting. I think this makes for a good entry into Fishman's as a band, as it is a nice blend of their early sound as well as a precursor to their dreamier psychedelic sound that is seen in their later work, you know, their late 90s stuff. You know, while it's not their best album, I think it's the best album of their early material and certainly worth checking out. So I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10 as well. Damn, every single one of us. A All universal agreement. agreement. Yeah. Noise. This rarely happens. <laughs> I don't know. Usually we're like a, at least a half point off of each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great entry into the Fishman's catalog. I literally have it on vinyl right now. I paid way more than I should have for it. <laughs> 
I mean, that's the case with just about all of their records, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Unfortunately. I mean, they weren't even pressed over here, were they? Nope. I had yeah. to import it from Japan. Exactly. For twice as much. I love Fishman's, and I think you guys should check them out, too. At least give them a shot, you know, and love it or hate it, at least you found something fresh and interesting. Listen to it. True. Check it out. With that being said, any final thoughts, guys? No. All good. All right. Well, this is Off the Key Podcast. I'm your host, Mac, and we're out of here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> very, that was our shortest episode. Very <laughs> concise. Very quick. Hey, wait, was that shortest cover from It was yeah. 42 minutes. Yeah, 42. here and i just wanted to give a shout out to lacrembo for the intro and outro music also check out our link tree for where to follow us we are on instagram and facebook and a variety of streaming platforms and if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow it'd be greatly appreciated thanks guys see you later